Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to V with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Sotol, the show of radio, Houston and Agave Spirits. Today's guest is the wonderful Jorge Raptus, the U.S. National Educator for Diageo Reserve, Latin Spirits. We're talking some rum, some Don Julio tequila. We talk about a lot of things, but we talk about mostly the closeness and the camaraderie in the agave spirits industry. Jorge has seen a lot of transformation in the tequila, the sotol, and the mezcal spaces. And with the recent juggling around of resources at Diageo, how the new program, Diageo Reserve, is looking. He was in town for Diageo World Class. We got a chance to sit down and chat and drink some lovely, lovely sotol. And I hope you guys enjoy this chat with Jorge Raptus. You know what? I don't know. It's it's one of those things that come with the job. But yeah. uh, like in this case, I was uh, Sunday. I was in my in my bed. Okay. And uh, I was texting Clayton. You know, asking for a few things. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I see a picture on Facebook, and I see Ricardo. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna text him as well. So we start texting. You know, the three of us, and it's like, it's too bad that you are down there. I don't have anything to do. You know, this weekend <laughs> I had a few things canceled. And it's like, come over. I'm like. Are you serious? Like, no, no, no. You, you know, you're going to be with uh, Guillermo and, right, you know, right. f- with Sergio from Don Fulano. I'm like, no, no, you know what? Don't worry about it. You know, maybe we'll see each other next time. Like, no, no, no. I, I asked Clayton, come over. So I'm like, okay, let me check. There was a flight leaving like in two hours. So oh, wow. I booked it. Two hours later, I'm in the airport. A few hours later, I'm already in uh, in Jalisco. Take a taxi to Arandas and I... I saw them there. Oh, it's amazing. So it was, yeah, it was, it was kind of cool, you know, just to spend at least two days there. Yeah. Uh, totally unexpected. And uh, those are the, you know, the best sometimes trips that you have. Yeah, just last yeah. minute like that in you, right? So, yeah, I, I, uh, I was able to meet them there. We went to have a uh, dinner mm-hmm. and I see Sergio from Don Fulano. I see Guillermo, you know, from Fortaleza. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. Jorge, what are you doing here? So it was, it was pretty cool to see them, you know, impromptu like that. It's, uh, a, it's a family, isn't it? It is. It, but, but it's not a huge one. I mean, people come in to uh, Mezcal is really a big thing right now just because lots of people are traveling to Oaxaca yeah. and other states. But it is not a big family. You talk about Guillermo. It, you talk about Ricardo. Yes. Carlos, Cameron. Like, all these guys. We're all kind of buddies-ish, Magali, right? Correct. So, yeah. so I'm there. You know, I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to text a few friends as well. Right. And uh, I wasn't able to see a, a few of them. Uh, but, like, Stefano Villafranca wasn't there oh, when Stefano, I was there. Oh, yeah. But uh, it was it was it's cool, you know. It's it's a, a nice family. Uh, that's that's how I like to see it. Uh, yeah. That we all share that passion about agave, about tequila, about mezcal, uh, about anything that is coming from Mexico. And um, the next day we had uh, there was the the party with um, um, Guillermo at the Cava, okay. Fortaleza. And you know I was there with him, and he's like, no, 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 Jorge, you need to come and you need to bring your tequila. I'm like. Guillermo, come on, you know, it's, it's, it's your distillery, it's, it's your party. It's like, yeah, I'm not like, trying to... No, 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 Jorge, you, you are a good friend, you need to bring, you know, how he is, you know, he's yeah. so warm, he's so, uh, such a people's person. Mm-hmm. So, I actually, you know, show up with, uh, you know, a few bottles and uh, I stood behind the, the stick, we did, uh, you know, we gave some uh, tequilas out there, there was also, of course, Don Fulano, there was yeah. the Fortalezas, uh, Andres, uh, that does you know all the mixology for them. Mm-hmm. A good friend of mine as well was there. So it, it's always you know about like family. You know, well, you it's know, not it's about who you're working with. Exactly. Or, or it's all about family. But you know what's interesting about that is that that's almost unique to agave, because if yeah. you go and you look at gin, right, which is different, very different category all across the world. There's not like a centralized location for gin, right? You could get it kind of anywhere. Everybody's got their take on it. Yeah, we don't. We, we're cool with each other, right? But it is not as, no, let's all enjoy all of the agave. Let's drink Don Julio. 
let's drink Fortaleza in the same sitting. You know, it's not really like that. So why do you think it's so hospitable, like agave spirits and that community of people? I think that comes from from the history of, of, the, of how Mexico, you know, and Mexicans are. Yeah. From, from you know, from how you were brought up from, from you know, when you were a kid. Right. Everything is about community. Everything is about family, uh, about lending a helping hand to anybody, you know, your neighbors. Everything was like that. And that's what I love about Mexico. Uh, yeah. At the same time, you know, my family being from Greece, the same mentality, you know, it, they're always open. They're not about having, uh, sometimes, you know, I feel in the United States that you're like in your bubble of uh, house and, and you get into right. your bubble of car, you yeah, go to your yeah. bubble of work and back and, and you don't actually, you know, tend to go outside your comfort zone of people. Yeah. And uh, I, I love the old days, you know, when you, know, you knew the, the first name and last name of the people that uh, really interacted with you, maybe the milkman, even, right. you know, right. I, mailman, I, milkman, all yes, we, we knew everybody. And uh, you tended to, to go to many community events and, uh, and open, you know, yourself. So that's something that I do uh, miss a lot and that I find still in mexico yeah being in mexico already you know you, you your mentality changes and and you you start acting differently you start acting you know more friendly yeah it's yeah. it's strange because you think we don't get it a lot in the states you know we, we like you said we were in our little bubbles we're in our houses we just kind of focus on ourselves and it's an interesting time that that's happening with election all that too but it is always lovely to go to a place where it's about community it's about being hospitable Yes. Right. And that's that's the love. There is just this love of each other there, you know? Correct. Correct. And I I like, you know, that that they see who I am. Yeah. A lot of people will think, you know, oh, he works for this brand and they only see the brand. Right. right. They don't see the person. And that's the beauty about, you know, being in Mexico with all these, you know, big, you know, names yeah. in, in tequila and agave and, and they see me as a person. And that's what I love the most. It's that's you it's funny because some people become recommended. Right, so it's like, oh, you gotta talk to Jorge because Ricardo is such a lovely person. Yeah, I'm not even sure. I mean, I know the brands he's kind of affiliated with now, and I know the brands you're affiliated with, but you guys are great people, and that's the thing. It's like it, I, I like, and I will always go through whatever lengths I have to because we've been working at this for about a year just to sit down and be able to chat, which is a lovely thing. Finally, finally we're here. Yes. <laughs> finally made it happen <laughs> on a Sunday, no less. Right, but it's about the people, and it's not about the brand. Yes, we'll talk about. But it's about you, you know? And we is before we were kind of recording you saying how oh, there's this big journey in school. You know, you had nine years of higher ed, but it all started out in Mexico City. Is that where you grew up? Yes. I I I was uh born there and mm -hmm. I grew up there. Uh my mother is Greek. Okay. Uh my father born in Mexico with a Greek father and a Mexican mother that had a little really? bit of uh, French and Spanish. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm more Mexican sure. than beans. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, definitely I, I grew up there. And um, when I was around 16, my family decided to, to move to Greece. Really? So it was one of those, you know, weird. My father, it's, it's, it's like me very much. If he, you know, sets himself, you know, uh, an idea of doing it, he just goes and does, does it. it. That's yeah, great. and executes, and he's always, you know, great at it. What, what does your dad do, or what did he Oh, do? at this moment, he's retired, but, yeah. uh, well, he used to be uh, still a priest. You yeah. cannot take away that, that priesthood. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, the head of the uh, church in Mexico, of the Greek Orthodox Church. Oh, wow, okay. And, um, and he also uh, had a, a community, uh, a church in Houston. Oh, really? But before that, you know, he worked for many companies like Mexican Airlines for 20 years, so I grew up in you know, or playing in the airplanes. Yeah, and yeah. I always thought of myself. Bit, right? Yes, I travel a lot, you know, since I was, I think, one year old. I was already, you know, in Greece and traveling. And it's amazing. Uh, he worked for Coca-Cola in North and South America. So he, he worked for a lot of big companies. Yeah. And um, it's very strange. Uh, like some of the things that uh, has happened to my family or, or have shifted the, the direction right. where my father went were big things. One of them being like in Mexico in, in the 70s, mm -hmm. there was the, uh, this massacre, they call it the Tatelolco, that the, the government actually uh, killed students. Oh, so they shut down the university. My father didn't have uh, an opportunity to go back at that time. Uh, one of these uh, big figures uh, in history, uh, Pablo, uh, oh, no Pablo, uh, Jacobos, he, he was the head of the Church of Whole America. You can uh -huh. actually see him in one of the first... Uh, 
Times magazine in the cover oh, really? with Martin Luther King next to him. Wow. So he offered my father to uh, come to Boston and offer him a scholarship. So he did. Really? And so your father was is he's already had some kind of professional career at this point. So, so he started and then because of that, you know, big issue with the students, yeah. they closed the school. So he actually took him his offer and went to Boston. And uh, this school is called uh, Hellenic College Holy Cross. Oh. So it's a, a school and it does have the theological school. So he never did the, the theological school because he's, he mastered it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he went to Greece uh, in a scholarship, met my mother in a party. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah, it's so strange. My mother's sister was marrying my father's cousin. They met at the what? party. Yeah. Uh, one hour later, my father proposed. And, oh my uh, God, that's incredible. One month later, they were married in the same uh, ch- you know, church and, and, and uh, they actually uh, got married and my father took my mother to, to Mexico. Wow. And my mother didn't speak Spanish or anything like that. But, you know, that's when he started being a professor and then Mexican Airlines and yeah. all these things. Wow. Well, to make a big story short, uh, another big event like the earthquake in Mexico mm-hmm. of 1985, where, you know, in Greece, my family, you know, heard basically that Mexico was destroyed, completely right. destroyed. And it was, you know, it was a Reduced, very, yeah. you know, hard times in Mexico. A lot of buildings collapsed and killed a lot of people. So uh, some of these dignitaries came and my father working in Mexican Airlines, uh, he was in charge of this room where all these dignitaries and one of the people that came to help was Jacobs again. Oh, okay. So, you know, it's like 17 years later, he sees him, you know, from far away. It's like, I remember you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's time for you to become a priest. And uh, basically, you know, he he declined. But uh, one day he just woke up and said, you know what? I want to finish and I want to become a priest. Now, really? being a priest, a lot of people have the idea of, you know, I Catholic. Right, yeah, yes. yeah. But this uh, is Greek Orthodox, you said. Correct. So, you know, the, the first uh, ramification of, of from Christianism was uh, Roman Catholics mm-hmm. and, and Catholic Orthodox. Ah, okay. So they, are, they were the same, basically. Really? Until the 7th century that they started, you know, changing and, yeah. and became the uh, four patriarchs and on, on one side and the Pope on the other. Okay. So they, they split, and uh, some of these changes that they couldn't get married was until the 11th century. Ah. So, it, of course, you need to be married be, and, and, and be a, a priest, you know, right. in order to have children and, and be married. You cannot become a priest and then be looking, you know, who am I, I going to marry? Them? Okay, that makes so, yeah. more sense. Because I said, well, Correct. are they allowed to touch women at that point? <laughs> I don't yes. know. Okay, yes. good, good. So, so well, yeah. This is appealing. This is more appealing than the, the Greek Orthodox. Yes, yes. Good. In that sense, yes. It's, it's very uh, based in, in, you know, old traditions. Yeah. And it hasn't changed since, since its, you know, beginnings. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, I was brought up more into the Catholic because being in Mexico. Right. Uh, and at a certain point, you know, we couldn't go to the Greek Orthodox because there was also another figure in Mexico, Pablo de Ballester, who got assassinated by, he was kind of uh, uh, mixed into the politics oh, of Mexico wow. okay. with the president. And uh, yeah, so he, Interesting. He, he actually built a lot of uh, different buildings like the Teatro Helenico in Mexico City and, and many buildings. And he was very popular. He was... Uh, uh, the, the Hollywood of Mexico will go there to get married. I see. It, okay. So once they they actually assassinated him, uh, they closed the church, so we couldn't go. Oh. Wow. So I was more involved with the Catholic, you know, at that time. Just because it was safer. And then, you know there was nothing. So wow. and uh, yeah, after that, you know, my father comes back and reopens the church after Wait, many okay. years. Wait. So so the Boston piece is before he reopens it, though, right? So, so yeah, he gets he gets you know um, assassinated, yeah. and they close everything, right, they close everything for many years until my father becomes a priest, and they send him to Mexico. Okay, yeah. so it's full circle. Yeah. So how long? So you're you said you were roughly sixteen then when you kind of went to Boston, and your father went and studied there. Correct. So, so how was? Did you speak English and all of that? Uh, uh, we spoke, but very you know uh, very very little. Yeah, uh, it yeah. was basic. Uh, we were also trying to learn Greek and many other wow. people say like, no, 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 took Greek and many other languages, forget about it. Yeah. Just the Spanish and the English. So it was uh, um, in in Boston when I started to really get into, you know, the, the English. Right, right. And uh, later on, after I graduated from high school there, I went to a college with the best professor in Greek as well. Really? And that's how I got the Greek. So you did, so you're trilingual. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you get to practice the Greek? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. I was just there um, in in summer. Yeah. You know, in the islands and visiting my my family. Actually, yesterday I just purchased my ticket to go to oh, uh, Greece this uh, this winter. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, my father, well, my parents spend half of the year in Greece and half mm. of the year in, in the United States. But I convinced them to go and, and, and forget about the United States. Go and, and stay in Greece. <laughs> so they, they're right now, I actually, called, you know, talk to my mother. She sold everything right now. They sold everything. My parents are living in two weeks. So in order you for them not to... stay in Greece yes, then, don't yes, you? Yeah. Yes. So yeah, I'm going to visit them and, you know, make sure that they're okay. Well, so when you're kind of coming into your own and you're learning English and getting more familiar with it, did kind of following in the footsteps of your father maybe doing the priesthood thing? Was that something you said, oh, yeah, this makes sense? <laughs> I mean, I kind of probably no. know the answer, but... No, I, I was kind of, uh, you know, the black sheep of the family. I yeah. was uh, a little out there. So um, I have a lot of respect for priests and, and the people that have that. Uh, mentality of discipline, being so man, disciplined. Right? Yeah. Yes, yes. My father I always, you know, like you see your father, you know, I always had respect for him. Sure. But once he became, you know, a priest and I saw him, how much he had to study for it. Like the people in Harvard would come to this university and, and fail miserably. Wow. So it was very hard. And for him to be Mexican, you know, at the beginning was not like something that they were used to. Mm -hmm. So he graduated with honors. He was the first of his class. And, and that you know, uh, gave me a lot of respect for my father. Yeah, it's, I mean, especially and, if it's so difficult to study yeah. that much. I mean, first, yeah. that's brilliant. Yeah, and, and you know, he became, uh, he did his master's and uh, he started publishing books. So I I definitely, you know, got a lot of uh, that vibe from my father that, yeah. you know, no matter where you come from, no matter what you're doing, be the best on what, yeah. what you're doing. So, so did what what looked more attractive were you wanting to be in a band were you wanting no. to do business i mean where were you leaning i i started uh around a very young age like maybe 14 uh, working uh in this place it was a restaurant inside mm -hmm. like a six flags in those days okay yeah, yeah so i started my my uh career making corn dogs <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, what, so, how far you've come yes <laughs> yes so i was very much you know involved in in a lot of the uh restaurants and uh i like that arena yeah. i was you know you, uh, is it the people is it the process what what I, about it appealed to i you? think i was always into eating yeah and that <laughs> uh, that was the initial thing yeah. and uh i i i don't know it was i started working i you know i've done so many different things like I in know. boston i started painting houses i work in the ground screw yeah. Um, I, I was telling you, I work a little bit in the radio and the TV, you know, yeah. as a, as a on-air personality. Um, you got it all, don't you? And the restaurants was, was always there. So I started yeah. working at the restaurant of a friend, a Greek friend that actually, you know, closed all the restaurants and, and moved to Greece. But it was very similar to Papacitos okay. in okay. Houston. Yeah. So I started as a boss boy, then, you know, waiter. After that, I started managing a little bit. And uh, from there, I went to hotels. Hotels, okay. And uh, I was managing most of the, uh, you know, the catering, the... The, the food uh, side the of food. it. It was, yeah. yeah, the restaurant, the bar. I had different uh, saloons that, you know, used to cater. So uh, I met a lot of friends uh, because of uh, my connections in the radio yeah. industry. So they, I met a person uh, that actually helped me get my foot into the door of of spirits and, and wine and beer. Okay. So I started working. They offered me a job with Coors Light at Coors that time. Light, okay. you, was, so did you move to Texas yet? Uh, or are you still in Massachusetts? That, that was actually in Houston. Or, oh, in Houston. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, I skipped a lot. I, I yeah. Basically, from from Boston, I went to, to Mexico and I couldn't leave the, the country because of the military service. Oh, okay. So I had to stay. I served. And after there, I, I was able to to come to the what United States. What branch did you have to serve in? Uh, in Mexico. Yeah, what are they Military service is a little different than here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my, my rifle was from the 1800s, and uh, <laughs> it, so it was more community, you know, okay, work okay. and helping, you know, communities, yeah. That's not bad. That's a good thing. Yeah. That's good for yeah. the community. Yeah. So you finish up service there, then you're able to come back, and you're Correct. working in Houston, you said. Correct. Uh, there was some issues, again, with uh, uh, my father and security. So basically, we had to move out from Mexico. To move out? Oh. Yeah. Because he was a security risk? What because, exactly? Because, uh, you know, there were, there were different things happening when he came yeah. back and opened everything again, going back. Oh, to right, him. which had been fraught with this 
drama anyway. Correct. Yeah. And there were many uh, buildings that had been built by, by the community and they were basically businesses yeah. that uh, became part of the church and they couldn't do business anymore. Uh, okay. So threats started pouring and sure. uh, there were a few things. So we, we had to, to move uh, from Mexico, unfortunately, because, you know, I, I love Mexico, the, the lifestyle, yeah. you know, it's, it's very unique. And uh, so we had to leave. And uh, I followed my family. Uh, we came to the States. Actually, the first step to leave mm-hmm. was El Paso. Yeah, okay. So I went to El Paso. I how how old are we talking? Uh, early 20s or your late early, teens? Yeah, 20, 21. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I stayed there for three years. And uh, in one of those trips, I visited, you know, a few cities in Texas. And I liked Houston. And um, I told my parents, like, you know what? I was still very, you know, uh, close to my parents. Right, like, right. we should all moved to, to Houston and they actually follow me. Uh, <laughs> you got them to move to Greece this time. You yes, got them to move to Houston. Yes, yes. I, I don't know if Very I'm a persuasive. good influence or a bad influence. But yeah, <laughs> they, they, they are great people. That's the best thing I have, I think. Yeah. Yeah, family. And um, and yeah, so I started working in, in these uh, restaurants and uh, finally I got my foot into um, the marketing company doing the the uh, cruise-like products. Yeah. And um, we were a team of 10 in those days. It was called Latino Streetwise. Okay. So we used to do on-premise, off-premise, you know, anything that they, they needed us to do, we were there uh, supporting the distributing companies. A year later, uh, they uh, let go around, um, you know, eight of them, uh, and they only stayed with two people. I was one of them. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of, you know, worried that this program is not going to last too long. So I remember I thought about what's the next step, and I wanted to get into spirits. So I went to... Wait, so, um, so real quick, when we talk about spirits, did your father drink? Did you, was that piece of part <laughs> of the community? Like, so very good point. My father didn't drink, okay? Really? He, he will maybe have a, a, a cuba, you know, uh-huh. once in a while, and he will tell me, like, make, make the cubas. Yeah. So I will, I will be the person that will make some cubas for, for him and mm-hmm. his friends. But it was only like one or one beer. Really? It was never about drinking, yeah, anything yeah. like that. So my father always told me, you know, you want to drink? Come here. I'll give you half a, a you know, a glass of wine or, right, or beer right. you don't have to be hiding from me and drinking outside yeah he wants it to be an open thing a conversation yeah. so through the relations that he had uh with coca-cola and and uh mexican airlines mm. he used to get a lot of uh packages in christmas <laughs> a lot of boxes a lot of boxes in those days was ally domek i remember yeah so uh, we had this room uh service room on the back and it was full of books i mean you have no idea from Top to bottom, oh, everything, cases and cases. The house had a, a bar as well, yeah. and uh, he was never there. So he, he didn't know, you know, one it's thing just for back the other. there, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. Or he didn't know about, you know, how full it is, nothing. Yeah. So I, I think that was the beginning <laughs> of my career. <laughs> Correct. And uh, tequila was always, you know, in in in, in the parties. And, yeah. Um, actually, the, there was a nickname that uh, actually had to do with tequila since I was young. Okay. So th- I don't know why I had to end up, you know, doing things with tequila because from the early age, I was very drawn into into the spirits of Mexico. When it, they, they've got, and we'll talk, there's something unique about it. There's stuff, stuff that's made in Texas, right? Doesn't taste like stuff that's made in Mexico, whether it's tequila, whether it's this atole that we're drinking yeah. that's made with beef. I mean, that's insane. This stuff... Tastes like a different world. So tequila has that power to just bring you and transport you to this different place. Very romantic. Yes. And once I was in Boston, you know, uh, if there was a party or something, uh, that's what I would bring. Yeah. The tequila guy. You early on the tequila guy. Yeah. (laughs) So um, I I wanted to, to, you know, immerse myself into the spirit. So I went to the one of the distributing companies. Republic, mm-hmm. and uh, I knocked the door. I went to the front desk and said, "You know, can I speak to?" In that in that uh, time, I was working multicultural, so I wanted to speak to somebody about the multicultural yeah, right. side of it. So they said, "Do you have an appointment?" I'm like, "No, I don't." It's like so. Um, like, if the person is available, I would love to, to speak to that person. So they actually called this person, came down, oh, that's I introduced amazing. myself. You know, I'm Jorge Raptis. I uh, I uh, would love to work for your company. This is the work that I've done with all these accounts and yeah. all these restaurants and bars. And uh, she was kind of surprised, you know, to see me. And uh, she 
basically was very courteous and uh, she got all my information. Mm -hmm. And uh, three days later, actually, they called me. What? Yeah. Really? He's like, you need to come and we're going to do an interview. So I interviewed with them and they actually offered me a job. That's a, that is a brilliant story because a lot of people don't realize, well, you normally get your ass kicked out of the lobby if you just show up. <laughs> you know, it's like, yes. yeah, sorry, you have an appointment? All right, security. Yeah, security. But it worked out. This is, I mean, that's an amazing, what, are we talking the early 2000s, mid 2000s? 2004, See, more or less. I feel like then you could do it. Yes. Right? Yes. But now it's a little bit different if yes. you were to do that. Correct. So uh, I was very lucky and uh, I was able to uh, start working for them. Uh, I used to do the whole portfolio of the, all the divisions. Yeah. And uh, my main focus was multicultural, of course. So tequila was you know, the main Episode, focus. Yeah. So I was able to learn a lot about tequila. I was able to learn a lot about the different brands. And uh, I did that for uh, like a couple of years. Yeah. And actually, I tried to leave the industry. I actually left what? the industry. Just, uh, I, I wanted to leave the industry the because it was... No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. Oh, man. Um, I, at that point, I was married, and it was, you know, a very tough life, as, yeah. as many, you know, uh, people in this industry know. Um, you need to have somebody that has uh, that understanding of what it takes, you know, right. to be in this industry. Any kids so, at that point or no? Yes, uh, okay. I already had uh, uh, my daughter, Zoe. Wow. And um, so I said, you know what? Uh, my family is important. I need to, you know, uh, try to listen to to my my wife. Yeah. And if she wants me to leave, you know, I'm gonna do that because that's that's His what a husband does. first. Yes. Yeah. So I left. Uh, things, you know, unfortunately didn't work out, and um, I I saw that it was not that industry. Mm -hmm. So I saw that there was an opportunity with Don Julio. Yeah. Uh, applied and. Um, you know, I was able to get a, a response from them uh, from New York. And uh, I did an interview with them like for, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes. Yeah. It's like, OK, we're going to we're going to send you to Dallas to interview with the, with the team, the Diageo team. So I can prepare that as well. You know, I came with all my presentations and everything. So it was more of a, me presenting to them than mm -hmm. an actual interview. Ah. And once I was done, I was like, um, uh, do you have any questions? And they were like. Basically, you you, you, know, you sold yourself. We, we don't have any questions. Yeah, amazing. So they told me it's going to be like a month. And uh, I already had other offers yeah. with other, oh, other you industries. Did? In, in Mexican spirits as well? Or Not other really. Stuff? It was it was more on the radio and, and other things. So, Wait, so real, real quick, because I, what does a guy do? <laughs> so what does a family guy do when they say, all right, the booze industry is causing some problems in my marriage. What's the normal job to get then? Where did you go? outside of Republic? Oh, <laughs> well, I started as an account executive doing um, this company that had all these machines, uh, like vending machines. Okay, okay. And it was like, in those days, you know, st they still had Rocolas, you know, yeah. the music and uh, different things to play, uh, Pac-Man, things like that. Yeah, yeah. So I did that for a little bit and I said, no, this is not for me. So a friend of mine um, worked selling actually cars. So I said, you know what, I'm going to try that. I'm good, you know, salesman. I yeah. used to sell, you know, uh, we're talking about that, you know, fragrances for, for different brands. I mm -hmm. was very, you know, uh, successful at that. I, I might be successful at selling cars. Yeah. So I joined, uh, in those days, it was the, the biggest um, dealership in, in the United States of Chevrolet. Wow. And I was working on the used car uh, section, oh, which... You know, they didn't have any parameters of how much you will sell a car. It could cost 10000 and if you sell it for 20000 good for you. Yeah, right. So uh, I did that, and in my first month, I made like 17000 in those years. Yeah. And it was a lot of money. Uh, but I felt horrible doing it because yeah. it was basically a lot of grinding and, and taking advantage of people, basically. Right. You know, there were cars that they were selling uh, $5,000 more than the new one used and with miles wow. so to me it was like kind of uh a turn -off. Almost, yes right? unethical yeah. so i said you know what i cannot do this doesn't matter how good the money is yeah. i cannot do it that's that's but, so this is, that makes perfect sense you're like i'm gonna do something because i believe in it yeah and then the industry pulls you back in pulls me back yeah so um so yeah i tell them you know uh, at the interview i have uh this offer and uh, i cannot wait one month so um, I left, you know, thinking this is not going to happen. Right. Uh, the day 
uh, later, they call me. You need to be in New York tomorrow. So I'm like, okay, fair so enough. That, that's that's good, yeah. you know. So I went to New York, and uh, I still remember my trip. It was a horrible trip. Uh, I got there. I interviewed uh, with the agency. Yeah, uh, MKTG. MKTG yeah. used to be U.S. Concepts. Yeah, and um, uh, great, you know, interviews. Then I went to Diageo, to the corporate, uh, and uh, I interviewed there as well. And uh, they told me, yeah, we'll call you. So I, you know, packed up, got my bags, got to the uh, airport. And I don't know if you remember uh, in those days around 2007, there was an issue with JetBlue. Oh, people yeah. were like stuck in an airplane. Yeah. <laughs> was, did someone freak out? Is that what it was? So, like someone get an argument? I can't remember. So yeah, they got stuck and they didn't let them out. And basically they, 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 they were there for hours. Oh, yeah. So it was exactly the same day or the day before, but there was a blizzard or something happening with the weather oh, and no. no flights were leaving New York. So I'm there, I'm looking at all these people, like the floor, you couldn't see a spot to lay down. Oh my gosh. So I'm thinking, you know what, this is going to be a horrible experience already. So after a few hours, of course, delay, 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 I'm thinking, of course, they're going to cancel it. Yeah. They cancel it and everybody gets directed to the, um, to the desk to see, you know, what's the next step. Right. Well, I started my, uh, the line maybe around 12 at night. I got to the counter around four in the morning. Oh my God, man. <laughs> I was so pissed, of yeah. course, you know, knowing about my father, you know, all the do's and don'ts. And I, they, they gave me a hotel, but they lost my, my, my luggage as well. So I got to the hotel in my suit. Uh, I, I, at least I slept, you know, in, in a bed. Yeah. A lot of people have sleep to on the sleep floor on the there. floor. Yeah. They, they will give you a pillow and that will be it. So I'm trying to get through the line to find out, you know, when can I leave, what flight. Everything is busy. So for hours, busy, busy. So I think, you know what? I'm going to call the Spanish line. Oh, Maybe the Spanish point. line yeah. is, is going to go through. Well, it went through. And uh, uh, I uh, was able to uh, get a flight out to Phoenix. And uh, after a day, that was the only flight that left, I, I believe. Really? They told me, like, don't tell anybody. That's the only flight that is leaving. And it got delayed. I was like, no, this is not going to happen again. Finally, they, 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 t they tell us you can board. I go to Phoenix, and a few hours later, I got another plane to go to, to Houston. I'm arriving with my bags, you know, after like so all found this them, thing, you know, uh, no, just, just my carry-on. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm, you know, getting into the door, and the, the phone rings. And I answer the phone, and it's New York. It's like, you need to be in Mexico tomorrow. Oh, gee. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no way. So, yeah, it, it happened, like, so fast. It was, it was something So that, So you uh, thought it was going to, they say it's going to take a month. Correct. You're like, can't do a month. You're like, okay, well, then come to New York tomorrow, basically. Yeah. You do it. You go through a whole gauntlet of unfortunate events. Obstacles, and, yeah, finally, it's like, but you it got it. But it seems like that's the karmic thing. That's how everything balances out, right? You go yes. through this real shitty week, maybe, and you arrive in the door, ready to go to sleep, get your stuff together, just write it off. You get a call. Yes. You got to go down. And so where do they have you staying in Mexico? So um, basically, I started uh, working as uh, the ambassador for, in those days, it was the Diario Portfolio, which included Don Julio and Cuervo. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah. And that was the beginning of my relationship with Diario. Yeah. And uh, still very strong to this day. That's it's incredible. Man, it's yes. Because we're here, it's kind of like in a radio capacity. Did you like the radio thing? Did you like interviewing people, talking? I loved it. Uh, it, it you know, it really is a very unique thing. Yeah. Uh, the issue with it is, you know, sometimes the management isn't right, and yeah. the owner of these stations was not um, was not exactly professional. Right. So we started getting into a few conversations where I didn't believe, you know, the direction it was going, and 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 I decided to leave. But it's it's a beautiful industry. Yeah, I still have a lot of friends in this in this industry, and mm -hmm. and a lot of my friends from that industry actually did the you know the the jump to spirits as well. It's not so different. Yeah. I mean, you think about talking to people, you think about sharing and being honest and open. I mean, this, this is kind of what this whole spirit <clears throat> thing is about. Yeah. So um, so yeah, that was the start of my career with Diageo. with Tequila and Diageo, and. Uh, so what year are we talking? Did you start with uh, Don Julio and Cuervo? Correct. What, what year, roughly? It was uh, 2007. 2007, all right. So we're yeah. about eight years. Actually, my math is <clears> off <throat> for nine years. But 
it's been a pretty good journey since. So, like I said, we've been talking about a year about trying to arrange this conversation. And how, since 2007, how much has agave blown up? Oh my God. It's, it's a different just world insane. now. Isn't it? So, just to give you a perspective from Houston, when I started, I don't recall having any other ambassador mm-hmm. of any other brand of any spirit. Really? Time. I believe I was the first ambassador of any brand. That's incredible. In Houston. Yeah. There were, there, they existed other ambassadors, but not in Houston at all. Right. Well, no one thought it was a market yet. <clears throat> Correct. And it's massive. Correct. So to me, it was a, 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 you know, a great experience to, to spearhead that uh, ambassadorship. And, um, and to see today how, how much it has grown and yeah. expanded, it's, it's amazing. It's when we get a place like Pastry War, for example, right? Correct. It's a mecca of agave, some of the bottles that they have. And I mean, it seems like this journey since 2007, you've probably met a whole lot of other people you never would have thought in the agave industry, or in this case, Sotol, which is not agave necessarily. But Absolutely. There's a lot of people that I that I started you know, to meet in those days. And uh, um, everything has been, you know, uh, evolving uh, little by little. And to tell you the truth, you know, I, I came from supposedly uh, some type of uh, standard of, of tequila that I knew from, from being in Mexico yeah. and being Mexican. And, and little by little, I, I started realizing that, you know what, hold on, there's so much more so that much I don't know that I need to learn, that I need to study, that I need to experience. Yeah. And, um, and today, I still feel that way. It's amazing how every stage in your life, um, you are living a different aspect. Yeah. Uh, today, you know, I have much more knowledge about spirits, but still, I feel like I'm 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 getting started. <laughs> it's incredible, and you have recently transitioned, and you're in town because of Diageo World Class, which we'll talk about in a second. But you, it sounds like you've got a bigger title and a bigger role and more brands now than you ever did, and you're officially working with Diageo now, right? Uh, so it's still uh, uh, so under a third company, okay. correct? So this is uh, the new program of the IO Reserve. Reserve, and um, and it, it's it's been in place uh, globally, mm-hmm. uh, and it's directly with the IO. Uh, here it's through a third party company, and yeah. there's a, a different reasons. Sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's a very uh, new program that we're very excited about, and uh, it's focusing on more from brand centric to more of a, a restaurant centric, bar centric. Interesting. You okay. know, yeah. And Indeed. some of the some of the great. I mean, you, you got an all star portfolio now that you that you rep, right? You still have Don Julio, which is a very wonderful tequila. But now you guys recently, whether there's some info out there about it, but Union Mescal. So now you brought a, another agave spirit into the Correct. portfolio. How's Correct. that feel? Like kind of having it, this more to work with? Yes, it's it's awesome. Um, and and it's uh, a unique situation as well. Yeah. Because we don't own it. So the, the, the project, I think, is one of the best that I've seen uh, from Diageo. Yeah. It's uh, called Diageo Ventures, and it's helping small producers uh, to really reach the consumer. Yeah. So it's more about helping with distribution. So even though we don't own it or, or we are working together right, with the right. producer, uh, producers to uh, get it to, to you know, the bars and uh, to the consumer. And that's amazing. Having a an agave uh, spirit like mezcal, unión, yeah. it's amazing. That's incredible. And I love that concept. And it's something that, you know, as a small guy who owns a distillery, I don't always think about the big guys being an incubator for startups, which is kind of how it works, like in the tech world. Correct. I mean, that's really, really a generous, generous thing. From your perspective, why do you feel Diageo gives back in that way? Yeah, I think that a lot of there's a lot of misconceptions about sometimes you know big companies. Mm. Uh, in this case, we're talking about the biggest. Yeah. Uh, but it's run by people, and and people is what makes you know uh, the difference. I think. Um, in terms of uh, programs that I've seen, you know, in the past, every every brand is unique and they they manage it differently. Yeah. The IO Ventures is something uh, to me that I I didn't have a line of sight before. And actually, I, I did work with Glazers as well yeah. uh, as a portfolio development. And one of my uh, duties was also launch all the innovation brands. Oh, wow. So I was also able to see the process of how 
a brand was created from, you know, perception and all these steps that had to go through. And maybe, you know, there were five steps and they will go through all four excellent and the fifth one, you know, will fail and right, right. everything will collapse. So to be able to launch new brands and see, it, you know, this process was always, you know, uh, it was a great thing. And I didn't know about the IU Ventures until recently. And uh, I was in Miami a few weeks ago, uh, and we were there for the finals of uh, for a class. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was able to see uh, uh, other brands, not only uh, Union Mezcal, but other brands as well that are working with the IU in order to uh, get them, you know, to reach the, the end consumer in the yeah. United States and in the world. So uh, to me, that that is, you know, so, something special. Like I said, you know, it's about people. I met with the owner, um, one of the owners, one of the partners, and a uh, great person, you know, and, and it's all about that. Sometimes, like, the, the picture that a few people have about big brands, and even though Don Julio, it's, it's a relatively small brand, yeah. because it's part of, you know, the IO, they see it as something huge. Yeah. And we feel and we look big. We have a big footprint. But uh, we're not that big. So uh, to me, to have that uh, infrastructure uh, to, to get that product in the hands of people in the other side of the world, mm -hmm. it's amazing. So when I go to Greece, you know, I go to the Clumsy's yeah, restaurant. Yeah. And uh, my friend, you know, the owner, Vasilis Kiritsis, and he has it and he has all these lines. And uh, to me, that's amazing. That's, that's, that's where I uh, feel that sometimes, you know, these big brands get to do so much good. Yeah, to give back. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, Diageo gets some crap. We know that. And I'll tell you what, though, the past few interviews I've had with people from Diageo, it really sounds like it's a well-rounded or, and I'm not trying to, to play, you know, I don't have any dog in this race, right? Like, I, this is about people to me. Always has been this the podcast and just this industry. But Diageo sounds like they're doing some wonderful things. And honestly, if given the opportunity, if they said, hey, we, you know, we want to help. I would be open to that. I think that's a great thing yes. for them to do. And and it's it's a, I've had a great, you know, uh, nine years, you know, working with the brands and working alongside with them, even though when I was with Glazers, yeah. basically I was, was working with, with the IU. And um, it's been a great relationship. I, I think I'm here because of their support as well. Yeah. And like I said, it's all about people. That's and... Right. Uh, they uh, they own, of course, many different brands. They're all run very differently. Don Julio, that's one of my babies that yeah. I love oh, yeah. so much because, um, you know, it's been run from the beginning as Don Julio left it. Mm. And uh, in the hands of Master Distiller Enrique de Colza, who uh, basically was the only person that Don Julio will entrust with the distillery, wow. um, started and uh, has kept everything the same way, yeah. intact. And um, that help has helped us, you know, maintain our, our identity. Absolutely. And, and the liquid, you know, and Integrity. quality. Yeah. Correct. Absolutely. So it's, it has nothing to do with if you're big or, or small. Yeah. It has to do with, with the heritage that, that, you know, we started with and uh, that we continue to have. I think that's amazing. And it's holding yourself to a certain level of value and a certain level of standard in the, in the brand. Great thing. So you're in town, though, for something special, and this is happening at the Roosevelt Room tomorrow. I think all day is about four or five hours in the chunk of the middle. You've got some great people coming into town. Sean Kenyon's in town. Charles Jolie's in town. You're in town for Diageo World Class. Now, I'm kind of foreign to the subject. Obviously, I know Diageo. I know the guys that are coming into town. But ultimately, what is this class about? What is this program about? So I think that this program started um, globally and uh, it was a little late to mm -hmm. come to the United States. There was a few legalities and things, but now it's being run by the USBG. Mm -hmm. So uh, of course the IO is on the backbone helping and, and putting all this together. And um, it's all about giving resources to learn different things, different methods of making great cocktails. Okay. And, um, I love it because, yes, we get to work with so many different, you know, great people. Yeah. Like you were saying, Charles Jolie or Jeff Bell. Mm -hmm. um, when, when it started, you know, a few years ago, I, I remember, you know, being in the first conversations about it. And it has grown so much. Uh, of course, um, I've done a few of them as well, uh, working together with, with Charles. 
uh, where there's education about the brands and mm. we do present the brands because it's, it's part of it. When, when you are competing, you need to know where it came from, sure. how it's made, so that you can maybe refer to it and, and um, have something in your presentation that has to do with why you present it this way or that way, or why it tastes like this. A, a, a sense of time and place to tie it to Correct. because you have to have a narrative with a cocktail. So it makes a lot of sense. Correct. So um, in this, um, like tomorrow we're going to be actually um, doing a session that is more about sensory. Mm. Um, How to taste, like, if I understand, like, right? Like, yeah. To give you an example, um, Charles tells everybody, okay, put these clips in your nose and you're not going to be able to nose smell anything. Right, right. And, and he will, you know, take something and tell you, okay, try this. And you will say right away, oh, this is salt. All right, take the pin out and it's not salt. Yeah. You know, it's going to be something totally different. Wow. And um, it's about the experience of, of even, you know, a cocktail that is cold versus something that is not cold. Mm -hmm. it, it's the same uh, basic, you know, ingredients, but right. they taste different, utilizing different uh, acids. Uh, you know, to, to as a uh, like lime or the citric acid, you know, right, right. other acids, the same thing with the sugar, glucose, sucrose, how they change the, the cocktail. And it's going to be more about that. And, and that's what I like about world class. It is always uh, elevating, you know, the standards. And it's about learning. It's about uh, community as well, mm. coming together and, and being, you know, one, one voice. Um, this part, this, this, this is part of a, a competition, of course, at the end is, uh, for new people and season as well, mm -hmm. bartenders that uh, want to do it. You know, we all started somewhere. Sure. So to me right now, it's about reaching out to the people that already have a good standard mm -hmm. and maybe they can become, uh, Even more the winner yeah. to represent the United States or somebody that is barely starting, you know, to, to really start thinking about what are the, the things that I need to start learning mm -hmm. in order to get to that level? It's amazing. So are you going to be facilitating a class? Are you just going to be attending? Tomorrow, actually, um, we are going to be there just supporting mm -hmm. and uh, helping. And, of course, you know, it's about community, like I said. So uh, I'm very excited to see a lot of friends. Uh, it's going to be at the Roosevelt. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Justin and, you know, Dennis and seeing everybody. Yeah. I love Austin. It's, it's a, an amazing city. I always have said, you know what, if I had an opportunity to leave somewhere, it would be Austin. And I still haven't moved, but uh, I know. But I, I, I was love waiting it. for it. I figured <laughs> at some point you'd eventually make your way. But, yes. but you're still in Dallas, right? Yes, I'm still in Dallas right now. Um, and I think that I'm going to stay in Texas for a while. Uh, another you know, city that entices me a lot is Denver. Really? Oh, very I love cool. Yeah. yeah, very Speaking cool. Speaking of Sean, who will be in town. Yeah. Yes, yes, Sean Kenyon. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but. Austin has always had this, you know, unique vibe, and yeah. uh, it's it's great to see all the people and and be able to to come and visit and and talk to them. And we we support. I mean, we love agave stuff here. We love good people. I mean, it is to me at least certain pockets an extension of the hospi hospitality of Mexico itself. You know, this industry is that way. Too. Yes. Well, it then begs the question because this is kind of the last question I've got for you, but. You've done a lot of different things. You come from a very academic, erudite background with your father. You're very smart. You're very driven. You didn't get your ass kicked out of the lobby when you went to try <laughs> to get a job. You know, this is all good stuff. This seems like luck's been on your side. Opportunity's been on your side, as well as having to sleep on an airport for all of this. I wonder, though, with the love and the passion you keep developing for spirits, the more that you learn, that at some point, would you... Do you want to own your own spirit? Do you want to make something, something that's yours? You know what? That question has always been on my mind. Uh, but I really enjoy being out there supporting other brands, being with people. Yeah. Um, in order to have my own brand, and in this case, will definitely be, you know, an agave spirit. Yeah. I will have to uh, move to Mexico. I will have to lose, you know, uh, all these great uh, and amazing, you know, ways of being with people right. in bars and restaurants. And I don't think, uh, I think that that will be the hardest, you know, part. Yeah. Uh, if I did develop or try to work with a brand. 
Um, to me, it's, it's more about right now um, helping uh, different bars and, and different restaurants to uh, be more profitable, be more you know successful, yeah. and uh, help them give great cocktails to consumers. And um, you know, like like uh, I had a lot of mentors in, in my life, mm-hmm. and um, Elaine Dove always told me, you know, your cocktail is gonna be as good as the cheapest ingredient. Mm-hmm. And that got stuck into me. And, and that's where I, I, I love, you know, telling all these stories and, and helping the new bartenders that yeah. are coming into the market. I think I will miss that too much for me to just, you know, leave all that and start my own brand. A man of the people. That's what you are, Jorge. Maybe politics are in the future. Who knows, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You I and Ricardo could be on the no, same ticket. No, no. The same ticket. <laughs> well, thank th- I'm, I'm glad we finally worked this out. I'm glad that we met at this time what is at the beginning of a really cool week. A lot of good stuff happening this week. you know. And then Diageo World Class tomorrow at the Roosevelt Room. Really looking forward to catching up more. I'll probably see you tomorrow. So, Jorge, thank you so much for visiting and chatting, man. Mike, thank you. And uh, like we said, you know, we finally were able to sit down and, and have this wonderful Sotol. And uh, this is a call to our uh, friend, Ricardo Pico. We're, we're uh, sipping right now in one of these uh, pechugas yeah. that uh, is uh, actually made from a beef from the Madera region that is like the, the forest of yeah. Sotol in Chihuahua. And it's uh, just a call to, to all the friends out there. You the, the nose on this is so wonderful. You can smell it through this microphone, everybody. <laughs> Thanks again, Ricardo, lovely Sotol, and Jorge for joining me. Thank you. So what do you guys think of Jorge, a friend of the industry? We've been trying to coordinate this interview for some time. A lot of shaking up and shaking down at Diageo, but honestly, it's great to hear it from Jorge about the wonderful support that Diageo gives to its suppliers, its partners, and how it looks to promulgate the success of other types of spirits in this industry. Often they have the target on their back as being the biggest, the bad guys, but it sounds like they're doing some great work, and I can't wait to see what Jorge does with the Latin Spirits Reserve portfolio, some great rums and tequilas in the mix there. A friend of the industry, and thank you so much for chatting with me, Jorge. And thank you for listening to Show to V with Mike G. I've got some great interviews coming up, and no matter how much you ate during Thanksgiving and wondering how many pounds you've gained in a week, or if you're looking forward to going back to work this Monday, please keep dancing.